This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome to Sourcing Journal Radio our weekly check-in with apparel insiders and thought leaders, which spotlights a variety of topics currently driving change in the market. Welcome to Rivet Radio. I'm Edward Hertzman, the president of Sourcing Journal and Rivet. Today, we're speaking with Rowan Atwood, the Senior Director of Global Sustainable Business for Contour Brands. Rowan, thank you for speaking with us. Yeah, my pleasure. It's good to be here. So can you tell us what your day-to-day is like as Contour's Director of Global Sustainable Business? Yeah, for sure. You know, um, as Contour's Director of Global Sustainable Business, you know, aka Sustainability Department, every day is different. There's no sort of typical uh, one day fits the mold. Um, You know, our sustainability team influences all aspects of the company, from supporting design uh, to merchandising to marketing um, to our operations and our supply chain function, um, uh, and uh, all the way up into to, you know investor relations and a, a wide variety of, of other departments. We work cross functionally, so you know our job is to you know is to align leadership with our goals and cascade those goals throughout the organization so that everyone's sort of focused on the right things to to create a more progressive, sustainable future. Yeah. So this is a, a tricky question, I know, but uh, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you think that Wrangler's consumer thinks about the, the environmental impact of their genes? And, and do you think this is changing over the years? Yeah, that's a great question. Something you know we struggle with um, here a lot, and I know all brands struggle with. And it's not it's not an easy answer, but I would give it a ten uh, with a lot of qualifications, right? Like, there's no one single consumer. You know, for our brand, there's several parts of the market that we serve, but we know that um, consumers do consist consider. Uh, put into their consideration set sustainability attributes when buying apparel products. They uh, they might not think about sustainability the way that uh, the broader community thinks about it. They might not think about sustainable attributes the way that uh, a marketeer or someone in the product engine um, considers it. But it's more this aspect of wanting to do the right thing. You know, I think doing the right thing, whether it's, you know, supporting farmers, national FFA, or simply making quality, affordable products that last, like there is this connection to durability, connection to land that sort of transcends the word and concept of sustainability that relates to this this greater, um, 
you know, a desire to want to do the right thing. So, you know, I, I know that certain groups of consumers get written off like, oh, they don't care about sustainability, you know. Um, and, you know, there is, I think what it is, is you can't pit preferences against other preferences. Like you can't ask someone to choose between, you know, affording, um, you know, whether they can they can put food on the table or a sustainable attribute. You know, those things don't reconcile. And, and lastly, I would just say that, you know, to some degree, um, you know, while the consumer and their preferences evolve and change, it's having a sustainability outlook as an organization, as a brand. And, and for, for Wrangler, it's as much internal as it is external. Like we have to do this. Like there is sort of a, a moral responsibility that, you know, we feel as a brand and as people working at the brand to, to address these issues. So. I also think, you know, sustainability means something different to, to everybody. So for one consumer, it, it could be about the, the materials used in the garment. Another consumer, they, they may have uh, a major concern over, you know, CO2 emissions or water savings. So I think it's, it's for everyone, it means something different right now. Yeah, that's so true. Absolutely. You know, obviously, I see you um, at all the major events around the world, whether it's Denim PV and Kingpins. Um, you know, you're you're speaking on behalf of Wranglers, sustainability plans and innovations. You know, when you're speaking at these 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 major you know ten pole events, you know, what are some of the most common questions or concerns that you hear uh, from the denim industry about sustainability? You know, just as a whole, the industry as a whole, what are the the questions and concerns that you're hearing? Yeah, one of the most common concerns that we hear regarding sustainability in the denim industry is is the amount of water that's used in denim production. This is not um, unfamiliar to those who who have been listening and and are aware, right? We we have significant water impacts everywhere in the growing of cotton to the finishing of our jeans to the consumer use phase. You know, our goal, you know, our goals for Wrangler, and we have two that kind of connect to this. One is to source 100% sustainable cotton by 2025. Um, and part of that definition, as we've been working to improve that definition, because I think it's been a little bit of an evolving target, is we want that cotton to come from uh, areas, uh, from regions of the world where they're using soil health practices, regenerative agricultural practices, like cover crops, conservation tillage, complex rotation, because our research shows that these practices decrease the need for irrigation, increase the resiliency to weather events like droughts and flooding, which is pretty phenomenal. But, you know, moving throughout that supply chain from cotton to the practices that we directly oversee in internal manufacturing, we also want to affect our finishing practices, our dyeing practices, which is why we've been sort of, we've had at least three different initiatives from sustainable cotton to um, sustainable finishing. We have a 5.5 billion liters of water uh, avoided by end of year 2020. And I actually, you know, I'm excited to share with you guys, um, that, uh, we've, we've actually met that goal ahead of time, nine months ahead of time. So we're getting ready to announce that at the end of March for world water day, but, uh, you've heard it here first on uh, rivet radio. Um, so it's, uh, it's an important milestone that we've reached. We've done that through water recycling efforts through sequential batch reactors, reverse osmosis and microfiltration, all really important technology to be able to be good water stewards. And then lastly would be foam dye. You know, I think that we've reached an incredible milestone in our industry. You know, if you think 1920s, we had a rope range that used to dye denim blue. And in 1970, we had the slasher range. And 
2019, we had the first ever foam dye uh, technology available to us um, with key partners from all the way developed from Texas Tech with IMD, Gaston Systems, showed up at Tejitos Royo, now rolling out into Arvind and other makers. You know, um, Wrangler was was first. We had the first yardage off that machine because we really believed in that technology and, you know, a technology that eliminates 99 to 100% of the water in the denim dyeing process. That's that's producing a more sustainable gene, not just for us, but for the entire industry. And that in, we really want that technology to flourish because it's got so much promise. Uh, absolutely. So this is another tricky question just because uh, literally uh, it's changing. Uh, I, I want to say almost hour by hour right now around the world. Uh, and the hot topic is is coronavirus. Um, the, the entire apparel and, and, and footwear industry is being affected. Actually, the, the entire global uh, economy is being affected by the coronavirus in one way or the other. Do you think the coronavirus outbreak will have an effect on the greening of the denim industry? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question. You know, I think um, I mean, for, I mean, we're carefully monitoring the situation. I think uh, in situations like this, it's it's tricky because um, it's really quite early to tell. Obviously, the health and safety of all of our employees, friends, and family kind of remain top priority. And you know, you know, our thoughts are really um, are with all of those people affected by the outbreak. When it comes to the the greening of the denim industry, you know, I think it's the the kind of thing where um, the pursuit of sustainability and the sustainable transformation of our industry um, will not stop, um, will continue, and will ultimately sort of um, work to address global issues. You know, there's not a, a clear intersection between denim production and, and coronavirus necessarily, but, you know, we, um, for all the obvious reasons, you know, the, the greening of our industry uh, has to continue in order to dr- address major global issues. So there's going to be more to come. Obviously, there's, there's still a lot of speculation on what does this mean, but, um, you know, I, I remain optimistic. No, me as well. I mean, as as we start to see the factories reopen, as we start to see productions, you know, ramp up. As long as you know, brands, in my opinion, are working with the right partners that have the right sustainable initiatives, I don't see why there should be any slowdown in the long term uh, for brands looking to achieve their goals. Obviously, there's there may be a blimp in retail sales over the next, you know few months or a year, but that should not stop one's pursuit of of sustainability. At least in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so uh, pivot a little bit. Um, so it's it's a, another unique um, aspect of your business is that I know you guys as a company work directly with farmers, and that's something that you don't really hear too often um, when speaking to a denim brand. Um, but for a few years now, Wrangler has been working with the U.S. cotton farmers to promote soil health. And you're communicating that story in a creative way by using the cotton they grow for special collections. Can you just tell us a little bit about the status of this project? What it is you're doing? Yeah, it's it's a really exciting program. You know, it's something that we've uh, we've had a lot of success around. We call it the Rooted Collection, and it's meant to be a, a fully traceable, sustainable cotton from this particular farming family, from this particular geography. And you know, we first launched with five different states: with Texas, Alabama, 
Tennessee, North Carolina, and Georgia. Um, we're expanding the program. We're expanding not just the program from a product standpoint, but, but also a geographic standpoint. Um, we call it our Wrangler Science and Conservation Program that kind of supports all of the understanding about the novel techniques around land stewardship that have so many sustainable benefits. You know, I think if you think about the Wrang Wrangler brand um, and the history, we've we've been on farm and ranch for, you know, since the inception of, of who we are. And I think that um, it's important we continue that tradition. We continue that tradition with bringing the, the most modern and newest science and understanding on how to get to regenerative ag. And, and we work with growers often. We're, we sponsor research and workshops. We just came out of the No-Till Texas Conference Um sponsored that event and spent some time with the growers learning from them, learning about what's working, what's not working, but then also for those that are learning for the first time, advocating for soil health practices because we know that we can sequester carbon, we know we can retain water and moisture. Um, and, you know, we expanded this into Europe just um, last, uh, let's see, it was last month, you know, and seeing that Wrangler is a global company and, you know, our goals are, goals are global. We wanted to expand this program and started working with cotton growers in Europe to talk about um, complex rotation, to talk about cover crops and conservation tillaging. You really get, uh, you know, sorry for the pun, but literally in the weeds talking about ag practices that have the greatest amount of benefit. And you're right, it's an uncanny partnership to have a brand that's consumer-facing all the way back to the earliest point in the supply chain. Um, but we're doing so because we just know that uh, that so much value can be unlocked, you know, not just for the consumers that are buying rooted and, and, the, and the future versions of, of what it might look like, but also just from an environmental perspective and a supply chain perspective. And we all really appreciate getting the opportunity to get to know each other and, and to be connected on this, uh, this number one raw material input that we have into our, into our denim, which is cotton. Hey, you know, I, I've been saying that, you know, sustainability has been a big buzzword for the past couple of years, but I really think traceability and transparency is going to really be the topics that we're going to start to hear more and more about And that unless you're able to start at the beginning of your supply chain and move all the way up to the garment, there's really no way to ensure that you're truly sustainable. And I think, you know, starting with the soil is, is you, you can't get, you can't start anywhere else. I mean, so I think that is truly the way to ensure that your supply chain and every tier uh, thereafter is, is, is sustainable as what other brands should be doing. And I'm hopeful, hopefully they, they will take a lead from, from the work that you're doing at, at Contour and Wrangler. So um, I know it's not easy and I'm sure there's a lot of extra work that you guys have to put into that, but I think it's, it's, it's the right work. And I think it's, it's a, sets a good precedent for the rest of us, you know, in the industry. Um, I know you mentioned um, a few minutes ago about the foam dyeing process that you guys have, but you know, I know a couple of years ago, um, you help fund and develop this foam dyeing process with, uh, I believe it's Texas Tech, and you launched denim jeans made with this process in, um, I think it was 2019. That technology is now being rolled out across multiple denim brands. Um, why was this project in particular important for Wrangler to step in up and, and kind of take a lead in? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's the type of thing where, um, I mean, first of all, any innovation process isn't easy, as we all know, you know, when you have an idea that sits on a, a, a benchtop trial at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas, and you come into the room and you say, you know, 
is it possible to build this on scale? Can we take this foam dye concept and integrate it into commercial systems? You know, all you have is a vision. <laughs> and I think that it's the type of thing where um, it, it is a radical collaboration of, of revolutionary ideas and, and business people that are willing to take to, to follow this long-term process, of three to five years of development and commercialization and testing and trials and failures upon failures. And those failures are part of the learning in order for something to come to market you know i think that it's it's the first pair of wrangler jeans did something in saddle for a guy who was on the back of a horse uh it switched the fell seam from the interior to the external exterior um to prevent chafing and you know that type of innovation that type of thinking about consumer needs thinking about how do you design product you know in a way that helps um uh, not just your consumer, but now the world at large, that's the place that we're at. And that's the sort of design criteria we set with this innovation technology to think of a, a, a way to remove water from one of the more intensive processes of our supply chain, that denim dyeing phase. Uh, was just such a, a fascinating uh, exploratory for us. And the more that we got involved and lent our technical expertise and you know, a lot of our supply chain partners lent, uh, you know, participated by their t technical expertise, but also yarns, various different things to get this thing off the ground. And, and now we get to this place where Wow, we have this bright, shiny thing. We've we've actually created a different way of dyeing denim. That foam, it's like a, think of it as like a cappuccino or a shaving cream, as opposed to you know twelve gigantic bathtubs of water, caustic chemistry, and dye stuff. It is just such more an elegant solution uh, to dyeing denim that. Um, this isn't something that we can just sit on. It's not something that we can just own as Wrangler. It's not something that we can just, um, you, you know, have exclusively. This is a technology that the entire industry uh, needs. It's a, it's a technology that we need to stand together and rally around. It's something we got to put demand around. I mean, uh, it's not easy to swap out technology. We're now at the place where, okay, we've done it uh, in a few select suppliers, and let's let's roll this out globally. Because I think that when a technology has this much profound impact to influence our environmental impact in the totality of our industry then it is something to be shared, something to be celebrated. And it's ultimately something that um, when other brands start using it and announcing it, you know, we rejoice in that. I think that it's, uh, it's fantastic to see the, the positivity and the uptake around it because it's got such a positive impact on the world. So, so when you're looking for, for projects to invest in, um, you know what? What is it? What is the criteria that you know uh, you and Contour are kind of looking for? And are there other sustainable projects that you're currently funding or working on? Obviously, that you could talk about. Yeah, yeah. So no, it's a great question. I mean, I think that it's the kind of thing where um, we are always on the prowl, as I hope all brands are, because this is this is uh, this is our industry that you know we we need to drive uh, in in the spirit of of being competitive with each other in the spirit of collaborating, you know, the more that we um, look to invest in projects, we look at, 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 at the viability and availability of, of technology solutions that are going to um, unlock value creation for consumers and the world at large. You know, I think that at 
in this day and age, if you don't have something that does both, then it's not really uh, meeting the definition of an innovation. Um, and, you know, we, we as a leader, we, we definitely want to stay on top of emerging technologies. You know, I think we've looked at um, a wide variety of different fiber technologies, dye chemistry, everything you can imagine. I think some of the things that we get excited about – the most are those things that have the biggest impact in the world. Um, the stuff that's happening in, in in water recycling right now is basically off the hook. I mean, it's it's becoming more and more possible to have a more and more water recycling technology at an available facility than ever before, and it's becoming more and more cost effective. Um, so there's no reason that we can't continue to be good water stewards in our industry. You know, fiber, as we talked about, from cotton to, you know, even to alternative fibers, looking at, you know, recycled content or some of the sustainable viscose supply. You know, there is a future around um, fiber and the material impacts that doesn't look like it is today. Um, that it just—it's fundamentally has uh, a different structure. And you know, I think getting into a room with innovators, there's there is a challenge that I would I would argue that we also have to see that there is an agreement and alignment for ramp up to scale. Because I think that one of the challenges that any innovation and a sustainable innovation will have is if we're uh, designing an innovation that will forever live at a price point premium without a desire to want to scale and sort of become efficient in a costing exercise to be able to affect a, a larger number of people, then we actually haven't thought that exercise through. Like innovation needs to have uh, commercial opportunity and the democratization of sustainable attributes in, to, in order to be a true innovation. I agree with that. So, so what is next um, for Wrangler on the sustainability front? You know, we're continuing to working on our sustainability goals. We have uh, two goals that are sunsetting this year. We've got two goals we're pursuing uh, rapidly by 2025. You know, we're excited for the continued expansion of our of our rooted collection and our indigo collections as well. And um, you know, we're 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 constantly asking ourselves how to be better at what we're doing. I think it's a the the beauty of sustainability is there's no um, there's no destination that it is iterative and that it is this process of engaging and informing ourselves about what's going on in the world um, and how can we address those issues. There's this constant influx of of using those top of mind global issues, those material impacts, and socializing that in front of leadership, functional teams, and rallying around this idea of what's our response, what is our obligation. Um, how do we want to show up in the world and what do we stand for? How does this reflect against, you know, that classic architecture? What's our brand pyramid and what what is the uh, the architecture of the brand? Of course, that's that comes with sort of the territory of, of managing a brand within an organization. But it's ultimately it stems from this desire within our employee base and with all of my colleagues and peers that are wanting to do something in the world, that we want to show up and have a meaningful difference, that yes, we come to work every day and we put on a brand hat and we sit in our functional units and we work to develop product, but that is the business that, that we're in and that our purpose for showing up lives one level higher. You know, It's something that rallying around um, the sustainability initiatives and ra rallying around you know, our purpose-driven focus is it, 
it, it, it can be something that is just fundamentally more. And that is what gets me excited. That's what we're, we're focused on integrating, amplifying that discussion. Um, we have a lot of internal summits and, and just uh, ex- exploration of what does it mean to show up as Wrangler uh, today. Well, I'm not sure there's a better way to end this conversation than on that note. That was uh, well said and uh, quite inspiring, I'm sure, for many that are listening. Uh, so I really, you know, it's been a pleasure. I always enjoy speaking to you. I enjoy listening to you um, at all the events that we that we attend uh, mutually. Um, I would love to have you back again. I know it's, it's, uh, it's crazy times, but it's also times of opportunity. It's times of change. So we hope that you'll join us again uh, soon on Rivet Radio. Uh, but in the meantime, I just want to uh, thank you for your time and, and hope to see you at some of the upcoming events uh, in, in 2020. Yeah, likewise. Thank you, Eddie, and I uh, appreciate all that you guys do. All right. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.